Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dally Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to discuss another burning wrestling issue, and that issue today is everywhere WWE went wrong in 2022, and before you start piling into the comment section, don't worry, we've done the exact same thing for AEW as well. But Hamlet, to start us off, no better place to start than the Royal Rumble, I suppose. And no worse in 2022, and what a shame it was. There was a story very recently that apparently morale was at rock bottom and backstage after the 2022 Royal Rumble. Um, it was obviously, you know, the Royal Rumble is considered this uh, like centerpiece of the WWE calendar with, with the road to WrestleMania kicking off. But every wrestler, if they've got nothing else, going on in their WWE career if they're just going out there and working meaningless TV match after meaningless TV match, reciting dreadful Vince McMahon dialogue as it was then. The one thing they've got is this little bit of hope and potential that something might come their way for WrestleMania. The timing might just strike right for them or they might find themselves in a cool angle or a cool story or whatever. And you had 30 men, 30 women, plus extras, and morale had never been lower. And it seems as if the wrestlers were completely simpatico with the fans, with the audience, with us, because... Everybody, apparently, came out of that show, other than Vince McMahon, one assumes, thinking, well, that was a disaster. Actually, even Vince, because he sacked his own son. So even he must have thought that was pretty terrible too. Like, it couldn't have felt much worse. It is quite fitting. You know, as we're recording this, Vince McMahon hasn't shockingly strolled back into the job he resigned in disgrace from earlier this year, as we're recording this now. That's not to say by the time you're watching, he might not be there. But it's almost fitting if that does prove to be Vince McMahon's last Royal Rumble, because he killed the one thing that seemed impervious to like his creative decline. He'd already Even, done it about five times before that as it well. It had gone wrong in the 2010s and been fixed. Like It seemed like it was beyond salvaging, and they salvaged it. Such was the power of the Royal Rumble and the ability of that gimmick to just make everybody feel good, to, even if it was like a false dawn, provide the feeling of elevation and momentum and opportunity that wrestling as a you know as this sort of simulated combat meritocracy is supposed to provide even that was gone uh both rumbles were so stubbornly booked almost like as an antithesis of what a royal rumble is supposed to be i remember sasha banks entering at number one and doing nothing with a half iron woman run other than spoil melina's night for yeah. example like it was a, a cool little moment seeing these two worlds collide but nothing came of it melina's like really emotional to be back and then hoid straight out sasha goes maybe 20 minutes half an hour for nothing 
she got eliminated halfway through the field. There was nothing particularly special about, like, there was no program set up off the back of an elimination for WrestleMania, and she's Sasha Banks. Should have been a big star, um, like, going into that season. And that sort of pattern existed throughout both Rumbles. The Riot Squad mm. had this little moment together, <laughs> and they didn't even finish smiling at each other before the Bellas Declan eliminated them. It was like, you couldn't complete a grin at one. Oh, my mate, gone. Like, and this was across both matches, and it was, like, sort of, it was darkly amusing that he'd lost that much grip on the thing that's, again, seemingly un uppable because even when they effed it up, they fixed it. And we've just today watched Shane McMahon failing to get up for that Brock Lesnar elimination and... We uh, pissed ourselves laughing. And beating, laughing. Yeah, beating Matt Riddle in a fist fight. In terms of disconnect, a disconnect which we had loudly talked about for years between Vince McMahon and his audience and increasingly his roster, it had never felt more apparent in the actual output than at that Royal Rumble. And, like, one last thing, because I'm sure, like, since you've got plenty awful memories of these events as well, the WWE audience, uh, for what this is worth, you know, they like elements of WWE, such as, as we see now, entrances, uh, fireworks, finishing stretches, all that sort of stuff. The people in attendance at that Royal Rumble, to a man, revealed themselves as not watching Raw every week because there were no pops on the entrance themes because they didn't know who they were. So they didn't even feel like those in attendance were people that were regular WWE fans at this point. It was just, well, we'll turn up for the Rumble because it's the Rumble, and they were served this. So you're alienating these people that probably weren't even your weekly viewers. You, they were taking a chance on you, and you were letting them down. It just created the most deflating start to what should be the like the most exciting time of the year. WrestleMania Night 1 in particular... It doesn't feel connected to that same WWE. Those two things that are supposed to be joined from the start felt worlds apart. It still had absolutely nout on the 2015 Royal Rumble. Like the <laughs> 2015 Royal Rumble is just literally the worst thing they've ever done, I think, Funny as though. a company. Funny on a creative though. level, obviously, yeah. they've done far worse <laughs> in terms of their lack of complete morals and scruples and the like. Uh, 2022 was... I thought it was quite funny, actually. Like, you deserve what you get if you're going to just serve up that drivel, that absolute drivel, like two part-timers winning it again. Like, what, seven years or so after such things had kind of become parody, particularly at WrestleMania. Um, like, my only regret about that Royal Rumble is that Shane never got the Future Endeavors tweet. Can you imagine how funny that would have been? They obviously thought, you know, he deserves a bit of respect to Shane, so we can't do that. It's not one of these other wrestlers who actually wrestle. <laughs> he you know, gives Shane a bit more respect. I wish they'd just gone all in on that absolute succession-level burial of a family <laughs> member and given him the future endeavours tweet. I resent that company. For Maybe not, Vince doesn't wish him the best. That <laughs> Maybe was that's the, why. That was genuinely the fact that I couldn't get that tweet um, was the only thing I regret about the Royal Rumble because by that point, I had completely lost any interest or even ability to bury this company. It was getting like pretty low um, for my professional career, like as ridiculous as a dream job as this is, I was like, I've run out of ways. I've formally run out of ways to bury it. There's no insight. You can, everyone knows how rubbish it is and specifically why it's rubbish, right? And I was like, can I even make jokes about this? Or is it just too drab and flat and beyond parody in and of itself? It's like trying to write jokes about The Simpsons and its peak years. Mm -hmm. that you can't do that because nothing is funny as the jokes. And you can't bury WWE for something like the 2022 Royal Rumble because it's just such a self-evident self-burial of just awful, 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 dismal creative. I was trying to look on the bright side when it came to the Royal Rumble initially, because I thought, yes, you know, the, the, generally, like you say, I didn't know who anyone was because of the themes, uh, and neither did the crowd. You know, what's SmackDown, yeah? And you had part-timers winning it. But I was like, well, it's Brock and Ronda. They're big names. 
And then you look at where those stories went in terms of WrestleMania. It's like, oh, no, it's terrible. Mm. So <laughs> Ronda Rousey, let's talk a little bit about Ronda Rousey, in fact, Sige, because what went wrong with her? Because she came back, you know, she had such an incredible rookie year, obviously. With I the thought company. it was fantastic. And then, barring a, a couple of decent matches with Charlotte Flair... What's happened this year? And neither of those matches were anywhere near as good as Survivor Series 2018. No. That, that mm. semi-main. Oh, my God. Honestly, the last hour of Survivor Series 2018 is one of my favorite hours of professional wrestling ever. <laughs> it was majestic. They really fail, uh, felt like they'd nailed two characters in Lesnar and Rousey at that point because you looked like a killer. She was enough of a pro wrestler where it actually worked and didn't get too repetitive like the Paul Heyman-Brock Lesnar match has in recent years, but she retained just enough of her snap, her physicality, um, her just her blistering pace and just the legitimacy of her work that she was really set apart. She was something completely different. And Hamflet put this best on another podcast. And we've actually talked at length about Ronda Rousey on a separate discussion, mm. which you can go listen to on like Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts from. So I won't dwell on it too much. But the ultimate take is that she feels like she's part of the fabric. She feels at this point that if you were none the wiser and you had no idea that she was a former UFC fighter, like you can infer stars in their actual being stars because they are stars and they just have that inherent intangible it factor. If you didn't know about UFC, you'd have known even without like any, if you had just watched the match at WrestleMania 34 yeah. and like without paying attention to the commentary, you would know, oh, Ronda Rousey, she's an absolute mega star. Look at her. Now, if you had no knowledge, you honestly for how fundamentally not good she is at professional wrestling, for how terribly unconvincing her promos are, for her sort of distinctive but not really ring style, and how wonky she is at it, she looks and wrestles now and feels like any performance center uh, sort of graduate, mm. not a particularly strong one. Her entire aura as a killer, as a star, is completely dead and it's surely, right, it's, it's underreported what an embarrassment this is about the so-called Papa Age regime. Like, he, if he was that good of a booker, right, he should have salvaged that within weeks. Mm. Why hasn't he? He tried and failed. That um, that attempt to salvage Ronda Rousey, in fact, failed. If Vince at, did a better job with her? Failed at that and killed Liv Morgan. Do you remember that ludicrous 50-50 finish at SummerSlam where it was the pinfall tap-out deal? And it was, uh, the, what they were trying to say was, Oh, Ronda Rousey could beat Liv Morgan, but she's just been really unlucky here. But instead, it just made your babyface champion look weak and Ronda not effective enough. Yeah, just so not enough about her. Yeah, yeah. like uh, they have they have stripped away, and I think you know some element of this has to go on the performer as well. She just had so many unique selling points, not even just one, loads of unique selling points that put her head and shoulders above the rest when she, in her first year, and so many of those seemingly have been dulled by the system with which she works in, and might have been to do with her own. Investment, maybe? I, I, I can't speak to Ronda Rousey and how, she, how, how she's approached this WWE run. Um, I think it's amazing, quite frankly, she came back so soon after having a child. Mm. And maybe she does just see wrestling as she's become a parent and maybe that is her priority. And wrestling is more of a side project and a bit of fun for somebody. We know she doesn't need it. So it's something she wants to do. Whereas maybe there was a, just a different, a different desire and a different thirst first time around. And that's understandable. But... Again, to Sidrick's point, that's when a booker steps in and thinks, well, right, 
that's all right, but how do we still maximise your offering and what your like your presentation and your t- overall total package, which still should be light years in front of lots of other people's? And they haven't. They've gone in the total opposite direction. She feels completely normalised and part of the part of the cast, and that's a WWE problem anyway. That so many wrestlers just feel part of the cast. You could put ten or fifteen in a room. If going back to last year, Vince McMahon did want to just hold a golden egg up in front of them and just get them to stand there and cheer, and they would. Because that's, you know, they're just moving bit of wallpaper. You can just change the people and slot a new one in. It's criminal that Ronda Rousey has mm. become one of those people you could just like. That's that's unacceptable for a star of her magnitude. It's the sort of stuff. And when they would gather all the wrestlers on the stage, and your Rocks and your Austins and even like your Triple H, they'd have nothing to do with that. I'm not standing on them stage. I'm not standing there to get a bollocking off Stephanie McMahon for something. That's my character would not compromise mm. that. You know, that's what who Ronda Rousey has sadly become, I think. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, it feels a little bit weird to do this alongside talking about the way people have been booked and angles and what have you, but it's the elephant in the room that we have to tackle, and that is, well, everything Vince McMahon related this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, so this titles of the podcast is Where WWE Went Wrong. Um, where WWE Went Wrong was clearly decades ago when Vince McMahon was permitted to keep buying his way out of trouble. So this is far from a 2022 problem, but obviously, ultimately, it was a 2022 ending to this version of the problem. I have to say all that because we're right in the midst of the stories of Vincent Mann believing that he was given bad advice and he should be trying to get back in. Um, he resigned in disgrace. We need to keep saying it because the retirement thing is preposterous. It's mm. as big a lie as what he said his age was in that tweet. <laughs> like, he made two mistakes. He said 77 and he said retire. Neither of those things were true when he tweeted them. Uh, it's good that it's happened. It was still very WWE and still very bad. If we we're talking about one specific thing they should want to forget... It should be Stephanie McMahon leading a thank you Vince chant. It should be Vince McMahon appearing on television as the first Wall Street Journal story broke. It should be certain members of the media that elected not to report the original Wall Street Journal breaking, but reporting that Vince McMahon had decided to resign or step down and giving him the narrative rather than uh, the alleged victims or the alleged survivors, or for that matter, just the 
legitimate media outlet that had done it, done the work mm. in the Wall Street Journal and done the report in the first place, a lot of people needed to hang their heads in shame from that specific period of the year. And whilst it didn't leave the cloud over WWE, quite the opposite, in fact, it did felt it felt as if the clouds had shifted because he had shifted. Um, the mere mention of him coming back has filled like everybody with different kinds of dread, whether or not it's because you believe that he will suddenly take it in a com- different creative direction and you like Triple H's or whether, and I think this accounts for most people, just the idea of him being back in the, in any room or any conversation feels absolutely hideous. Um, it's like you feel the cloud coming back. That's, that's what he is at this point. He's a cloud over his own empire. Um, and you can only hope, I guess, that Nick Khan or whoever was involved in that investigation internally has the last word and has the strongest mm. word. The fact that WWE's metrics, business metrics haven't suffered, their financials haven't suffered, I think could be the difference maker here. If we'd have seen any graphs pointing downwards, that'd be his easiest route back in. Beyond the fact that he's already like a, still a majority shareholder mm-hmm. and still yeah. has say, I think if those graphs had gone in the wrong direction, he'd be using that as a first argument to get himself back in. Like, for reasons both on and off screen, I like the mere fact that we're ending the year. What should have been ending the year with momentum for WWE is instead felt like it started to go backwards. Step backwards, yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those days we thought would never come, Sage. I think we always thought he was going to remain in charge for as long as he physically could. I thought he was going to die in that chair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just horrific, all the stuff that came out. Yeah. It's one of those where you're hardly surprised. He's just an absolute yeah. monster of a human being. And um, he got what was coming to him in the end. And because life is sometimes so goddamn awful in the way these things all unfold everywhere, he might even come back. So life sucks. Um, before we, we talk about Triple H taking over from him and, and the issues that that has brought with it, uh, a quick word on Austin Theory, who I think it's fair to say has had a, an, an up-and-down year. I guess he's a seven in every area for me. I Look, he might surprise me, right? He might go on to become a star. It feels more... It feels easier than ever to reject what is an oppressive tell-don't-show push because usually it was Vince McMahon telling you to do it, and because if you wanted to watch mainstream American accessible TV wrestling with some of the best talents in the world, irrespective of how they are booked, you just kind of had to sit there and take it, because it was Vince. Right? You don't have to do that anymore, so this becomes even more... You don't, have to, you don't have to suck it up and just go, all right, okay, well, I have to watch him, because that's who I'm being told to watch, and if I'm going to watch this, I have to watch him. Like, Why are they persisting with this? And under Triple H, weirdly enough, he's got a new intense character and direction, he does. I just has a mid card appeal that I will not be able to shake. I don't think um, he's got what they're looking for. He's tall, he's telegenic, and he's got a cut body, and he's young. And they just decided that they really like mm. him in their WWE way, regardless of who's in charge. Because I'm really not so fucking different that they just like him. I don't have to, and I don't. I just think that I don't think you're ever going to get a really great, great promo out of him, right? At least not high-end, like, sort of best-in-class. Mm. Like, the best-in-class is all in AEW, with a few exceptions. Roman, Sammy, and, like, uh, Theory's not on their level. Is he going to give you an absolutely incredible professional wrestling match? Like, loaded with drama, intricate detail. No, I'm not going to get that from him either. Is he so great-looking that he just feels like this movie star poster guy, but in a WWE ring, which they like, with Randy Orton and the like. Uh, no, not 
for me, it's just little's head poking over one of these screens here as well. I know, it's, that's a bit, it's unflattering. He's more attractive fella than that. But <laughs> no. he's just, he's a seven, he's a 6.5 in every area for me. And he personifies an issue, I sound like a broken record, with money in the bank that we've seen for quite a few years, mainly not giving it to Sami Zayn again. But um, yeah, money in the bank was one of the reasons why he's had, like I say, an up and very down year. Yeah, um, just on a theory, because the money in the bank was wasted again this year. Um, nobody's ever asked the most important question of Austin Theory from a fictional point of view. Like, who is he? Who is this character? We've only ever debated him in terms of the reality, which is he was a Vincent Man Pet Project. And that is the character as well. It is the character. It's but a bad one. It's, yeah, it, it's just, it's so one-dimensional, and it was tethered to that reality, and then he appeared to suffer under Triple H's creative direction, and now he's doing all right under Triple H's creative direction. But in terms of his intention... I thought he was done. Yeah. I think he's recovered it relatively well because I thought that fail cashing was uh, the biggest burial that he could have possibly received on the hands of Triple H. But it doesn't feel like a personality trait, the kind of thing that he... Like, I don't know what Austin Theory would cut a promo about other than saying, I'm the chosen one or I'm not the chosen one anymore, but I'm, I'm good. That's And that's not really enough to go off beyond, mm. you know, like maybe one program or one title win. And I think that was a fundamental issue with... Well, certainly what Triple H found when he didn't want to have him win Money in the Bank. He certainly didn't want to have him beat Roman Reigns. Um, it is mad to me that, and you know this is how it will have gone. Vincent Manuel just thought, well, it makes logical sense for us to gift Theory this like Money in the Bank. Gift wrap it as a heel because that's where his character is. He's, you know, favoritism. Uh, and the, in 12 months, yeah, we'll figure out the Roman Reigns thing. We'll figure out. It'll, it'll win about somehow. We'll, we'll split them up, or Roman will give one away. Or so, you know, we'll, we'll, it will make it work. Like, you can honestly imagine they're not thinking about it. The person that wins money in the bank, male or female, they should have the title win in mind, and they should be working it backwards to the day they win the briefcase. That person should be winning the briefcase, and then they go, right, now what? Like, you hear about all the time, I got the call this morning, they uh, want me to cash in tonight. That's terrible. Mm. Like we've just normalised that conversation, and that is terrible. You should know from the moment that the person's won it exactly how and when they cash in. Otherwise, why are you putting the briefcase on them in the first place? It's a. It's not just supposed to be a golden ticket. It's supposed to be something else. It's supposed to be a push, the nod. You know, the kind of the the at a boy or the show of support or whatever. And Liv Morgan being the latest, and this is a female thing, the latest woman to cash in on the same night. Um, seems to say, suggest to me that this women's division, which has been in need of an overhaul for years, is something they don't really have a lot of faith in because um, they keep doing these on-the-night cash-ins. They almost want the briefcase to be done with straight away mm. because they'd rather the shock of the moment and getting somebody over in a capital M moment than giving somebody a sustained push, a sustained run. We still have yet to see, and again, you know, caveat because let's see how Triple H books them, but we've yet to see these briefcases not be A, Excuses just for big flashpoint grabby headlines and B, um, the just that sort of oh they can lose six in a row because they've got the briefcase mm. that that reverse push where they can lose as often as they like because they've got this case so it doesn't matter at the end it does because mm. it feels like a loser's just cashed in when they've won the belt it's like I hope he follows through with not having them on their own pay per view as well because I actually think the match will feel bigger as a part of WrestleMania and the moment will resonate in a different way. I would like to see that be the start of something for somebody yeah. rather than the that rocket strap feeling. Uh, very quickly, before we get to Papa H, um, could be worse. Instead of being Austin Theory, you could be Lacey Evans. Ugh, like, I don't know if Lacey Evans can go to the extent where we should be thinking, oh, this is not fair, what's happened to her as a performer. Maybe she just had a ceiling and it was the Sassy Sun Bell from a couple of years ago. 
but three st- attempts at it this year with the first being the worst comfortably. Yes. They had to relive all those awful childhood traumas and it was never real. Like they almost lost track of the fact that she was a wrestler. It was just like going to loads and loads of detail, five minutes of detail on this awful experience you've had growing up, all the difficulties, and then in the last 10 seconds hit your catchphrase. That's arse backwards. Like it should be 10 seconds of knowing who this character is followed by like four minutes 50 of pro wrestling stuff. Like how does this tie into the character? And then that sinking feeling when you knew they were bringing her back as a heel. When you, I remember us being sat in here previewing yeah. SmackDown and you saying, I think they're turning her heel. And I was like, they can't with what the sub- subject matter they've utilised. On it, like, sewage flowed through that company because Vince McMahon was stood at the centre of it. I'm not, yeah, I, I don't want to be like, oh, it's different now, Triple H is there. Because it's still, there's a lot of, like, toxicity there. But you could feel it. Yeah. And then worse still was when the heel turn was signified by the announcer saying, Lacey Evans has told you all, like, stand up and cheer. And WWE fans in attendance were so trained to do what they were told that they cheered. So the heel turned out to be briefly parked and she was switched around as they tried to figure out what to do and then they just dropped the character called. So she went through all of that for nothing. Mm. I don't even know if she worked more than three matches in that gimmick before they retold her. It's just like, it's that that was yet again, the, the process is broken. It's to Cedric's point about like, you cannot write about this company and like be hyperbolic about the level of crisis point it was at without just seeing it for yourself. Mm. You can't illustrate it any better than the show illustrates it to you every single week. Uh, finally, Sige, uh, you said you wanted to talk about Triple H's Infinity Gauntlet. What is that? It's uh, What it is, it's my biggest pet and peeve in, in, in all of professional wrestling. I try not to let... And I do say it every friggin' podcast. I try not to let the small... Idiot minority of wrestling fans. I've met so many wrestling fans, and they're like, they're so nice and they're mm. so great. There's a small minority. There's infinity gauntlet memes. Like, I couldn't believe someone did them in earnest. Carrion Cross and Top Dollar in Thanos Triple H's fist of, yeah, Fed's cooking again now. Is it? Because they're not over. And they're not really doing that much great stuff. And I've had to actually listen, or rather read on Twitter, that Tony Khan, right? And I don't want to defend him. I'm not trying to lick his arse. It's just the, the complete lack of consistency here that boils my piss, right? Bring too many names. What's Tony Khan going to do when the pops run out? Well, what's Papa H going to do when the pops start? He won't know what to <laughs> do with himself because it hasn't happened yet. This is ridiculous. This is Triple H, right? And he gets the biggest pass by virtue of not being Vince McMahon. Yeah. And I think that's a general point that I want to make as well about Raw in particular. I can understand that if you are inclined to like sports entertainment as this weird form of wrestling, then you'll be very much super served or serviced by SmackDown. Raw's a bit of a joke, but back to the Infinity Gauntlet, okay? It's ridiculous. Triple H, again, held in the highest esteem because he's not Vince, right? Said on record, I can't, I'm paraphrasing his words, but about a six-month plan, right? In an ideal world where he was in charge, apparently, okay, there would be a six-month plan to take someone from developmental to the main roster. Obviously, it's a joke because in six months, we're barely even on the main roster. So there's no plan, and that was evident by so many of the latter-day NXT promotions. Okay. Where's the plan for Karrion Cross? Go 50-50 with uh, Drew McIntyre. That sounds like a <laughs> plan to me, to be honest. <laughs> that sounds like a real <laughs> plan for me. And Top Dollar and Hit Row are just bouncing around, winning some, losing some. All of it's pretty rubbish, if we're being perfectly honest. Johnny Wrestling, more like Johnny, you know, 
doesn't wrestle. So <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to do one of his terrible jokes, to be perfectly honest. So I trailed off a little bit there. There's no six month plan. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, uh, with Johnny Gargano, they try to tell a story. It's an, it's a rubbish one. It's an absolutely rubbish story again. Like half of these people, if not all, is anyone over? Is Strowman even that? Strowman's kind of over to that audience. Bray's over. Who else is over? And it, I don't want. Candice LeRae to not be over because I think she's tremendously talented. She's not over. Yeah, she we were well happy about Dakota Kai and Io Sky coming back as well. Yeah, but Candice LeRae is not over. As a promoter, right, Triple H hasn't done anywhere near enough to get these people over. And what he's done is he's done the thing for which Tony Khan was buried, mm. right, and he's actually done a far worse job at it because Bandido got over, right? Like, Takeshita gets over. I, virtually every single name they bring in and it's too many for me. I'm not saying that I want a different one every single week. But at least to get over, at least there's a purpose to do it, a one-week boost, a moment, if mm. you like. None of these are over. This Infinity Gauntlet stuff's been a complete disaster. And what's very interesting about it is that Triple H exists in this prominent, critically acclaimed role. I think that might be slipping away. It depends. It's all hinges on the bloodline, basically, at this point, right? And Bray. Right. Triple H's whole shtick his whole reputation, his whole aura as a booker hinges on the fact that he isn't Vince. The generosity shown to him kind of disgusts me. Like, this company has got so much money and so many resources to do great wrestling, and he only does it in one angle. And the generosity and the latitude extended towards him, I think, is just bollocks. Personally, he could be doing so much more. He doesn't have to do rubbish things because Vince McMahon isn't there, okay? Right? And ultimately, he's just benefiting from not being Vince. But the interesting part here is that apparently WrestleVotes tweeted that severely underwhelmed by mm. a, m- more than a handful, I think it was, of the recent uh, recruits in this rehiring wave. What then? Does he abandon the push because they didn't get over, because the creative didn't really do anything to get them over? That's a Vincian thing to do, and I think we're going to learn, right? This is a general sweeping point that Triple H is a lot more like Vince McMahon than anyone's ever willing to give him credit for. Look at the state of Raw, and I'll shut up on the handful talk in a second, right, okay? When Triple H, Pepper H, first started to take control, right, even I was a little bit, you know what, I don't believe it, I don't buy it. It's a white hot product, I should be able to hear it, quite frankly, mm-hmm. but I can't. The atmosphere in these arenas is a little bit too, like, subdued for me to ever feel like it's a hot product. The ratings reflected that it was a hot product, I'll give them that, they're, on, they're in decline on Mondays as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, when Raw was first under his stewardship, I hate Dexter Loomis. Well, that's a strong word. I'm not interested in that character at all. The way in which he was introduced, subtly, show-long angles, a bit of mystery, they trusted you to piece together the um, the details that were emerging in the background without Michael Cole screaming it in your fucking face. That feels like an era of Raw now, because now Raw is just the same show every single week, like five minutes of matches longer than is necessary to tell the story Mm. of the match, and that's a generous take. Like, he's already told you, and like usually a booker has a few years of a glory period, but he's already told you, Raw, don't care about Raw, SmackDown's the, the real one. And Triple H did have a few good years, but the thing is, he peaked in 2019, or even 2018. So those are my thoughts on Papa Age. There's a lot of pressure on him heading into 2023, because you said yourself when he took over, like we've said, it's a low bar to take over from Vince, just having people come out and say the word wrestling mm. was getting a reaction initially and Ugh. name-dropping other promotions for the first time in... She's long. in stardom. Oh, yeah, the Michael Cole stuff's cringeworthy, man. Let's but say. you said yourself, the moment he took over, 
the pressure comes on this upcoming road to WrestleMania. Once we go come back in January, this is the test of, of Triple H's regime, isn't it? Yeah, we're ending where we started because you're back to the Royal Rumble. You're back to the road to WrestleMania. You're back to this roster now of, right, we're pretty much at, this is just about Triple H's deck of cards at this point. It's everybody he's wanted to bring back in, he's done so. He's featuring the people he likes. Uh, the Royal Rumble... He's been in plenty of Royal Rumbles, and he's been the recipient of some excellent Royal Rumble booking. He um, worked closely with Pat Patterson, who was the architect of all of this and made it all make sense. So he, the, it will be very, very interesting to see not just the Royal Rumble matches and the things that he spins off these Royal Rumbles, but that entire cycle and analysing. Because I'm probably like more lenient on Triple H than I should be as an analyst of WWE, but I think that's because, to where Sidgwick started with his point, I am sort of, I'm prone to want to enjoy the nonsense that is WWE. So some of it is calibrated to my taste for this garbage. It's my junk It's my junk food and never that been clearer than since AEW has existed or how Triple H's NXT peak contrasted mm. with WWE's main roster at the time. Never was it clearer that, yeah, this is my junk food and my expectations will forever remain low. But I want to enjoy it. Like, if, if I'm getting a McDonald's, I still want a like, taste of it, even though I know it's just a McDonald's. And that's what I'm kind of looking for for the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania season. I want Triple H to use those two matches to make the roster feel at its most alive. Um, the Bloodline story is obviously key to yes. that, as it has been pretty much since he, since before he even got the job. But yeah, inherited it. Yeah, uh, ancillary characters that are on a good run at the moment. Me and Sidgwick, just before we recorded this, we're talking about this rumoured Brock Lesnar versus Gunther match for WrestleMania. I want to watch that, and I want to see the build. I want to see how they get there, you know. Seth Rollins has felt like he's finally figured WWE out, so I want to see what is on the docket for him at WrestleMania. I want to see how Triple H books Cody Rhodes for the first time. So there, it's not just this one hot story. It's a number of things. Uh, Rhea Ripley and the Mysterios family, th there's plenty going on. So I think that's a credit to Triple H, because we certainly couldn't talk like this for the last... Whoa, 20 years like there <laughs> I said it I said this as well a lot that we should have been like for years and years and years the Survivor Series build was when we should be Wrestlemania speculating and that got abandoned and lost and forgotten to time you were called like old fashioned for having that minimum expectation of having the last big four event of the year to start setting up the following year we have arrived at that so I do think that's a Triple H achievement but if all of these programs fizzle and die on the night or in the build up it'll look terrible on him. It'll look like he's made the wrong choices with these people or he's not really been able to follow through. And I, that's always why I felt that would be the big test. He's set himself up now. It, like, let's see. Like, show me what you got mm. with who these people that you put in place. Right, Von Wagner. <laughs> I think you'll get it right, to be honest. I think you will have a good WrestleMania mm. season, but at the same time, I think the journey to get there's really been uninteresting so far, other than the bloodline stuff. Um, ultimately, I've, it's been proven to me by AEW's December that you can't phone in December anymore. Why How? Why should you phone in December? Mm. Like, I'm not that interested in wrestling in December as most people aren't, but that doesn't give them a pass no. to just completely phone it in. You can't do good wrestling in December, so why don't you, Triple H? <laughs> well, let's know your thoughts on uh, everywhere. It's half a bit at this point. <laughs> everywhere WWE went wrong in 2022 in the comment section or on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, we can also follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at. If I've been especially insufferable, it's because I'm hungover at M Sidgwick. Uh, you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for Data Wrestling Podcast and check out our everything AW went wrong in 20. 2022 uh, video as well. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.